Welcome everyone to today's class, after a week's break. Welcome back, Arunaben, Mia Hulls. Any questions before we begin? So a quick recap, verse 33. Even a man of knowledge acts in accordance with his own nature. Beings follow their nature. What can restraint do? Meaning we are all victims of our vastness. We can't help it. Even if we gain knowledge, even if we know it's wrong, we can't help it. We can't help but act based on our vastness. Our vastness becomes our desires, becomes our nature. I'll give you an example. I was watching a documentary last week regarding Harvey Weinstein. Everyone know about him, yeah? Harvey Weinstein. Now, he had everything. Name, fame, power, wealth. Regarded as a top producer. One Vasna he could not control. That one Vasna, no control over that. He knew it was wrong. He knew it could ruin everything. And where is he now? That one Vasna, he had everything, but one Vasna he couldn't control. That's how powerful it is. Person cannot help but act based on his Vasna. The intellect can only helplessly observe what's going on here. I know this is wrong, but I can't, I feel helpless. I can't do anything about it. This is how vastness operate. So verse 33 said that if you have knowledge, it's not enough. You have to convert it to wisdom. Only when you have wisdom, you can do something about your vastness. He had knowledge that what he was doing was wrong, but there's nothing he could do about it. Winston had knowledge. What I'm doing is wrong, but not the wisdom to control it. You see the difference, Dharmesh? You have the knowledge, but not the wisdom. One vasna, one desire can destroy a human being. Hitler, one desire. Not only six million Jewish people dead, but 100 million people died in that war. I didn't realize that. 100 million people died in that war. Now Putin, one desire, I want Ukraine. Tens of thousands of people dead. That's all it takes. You know, these are extreme examples. 
But in our life, we have desires, good and bad, popping up constantly. Some we can control, some we cannot. So the stronger the vasna, the desire, the more effort it takes to control it. Smoking kills. But you've been smoking for 30 years. It'll take more effort to stop. If we started last week, we started smoking last week and you read smoking kills, you could probably stop immediately. I don't want to die. You see the difference? Stronger the desire, the vasna, the more effort it takes. There is one way. There is one way. Have the goal as self-realization. My goal is to be self-realized. Then what happens? That is your goal. Whenever a vasana, a desire pops up, you ask yourself, is fulfilling this desire going to take me closer to the self? If yes, fulfill it. If not, leave it. Now, that is the ultimate goal. And that's what great sages did. If by fulfilling this desire, is it going to take me closer to self-realization? No, I don't want to get, be part of it. This is the ultimate goal. We can set smaller goals. So here is a verse, verse 33, that says, you can be in control of your personality. Last week, Shilabin asked a question. Is Shilabin with us? Yeah? Great. Shilabin asked a question about family close to you commenting about changing your personality since you've been attending these classes. Some of you may have had that as well. Friends, colleagues. So attending these classes, gaining this knowledge, thinking about it, it will change your personality. It gives you the tools to uplift your personality. And if you apply it, it will change your personality. The more you apply it, the more you think about it, the greater the change. Just coming to the Sunday class will also change, but in a smaller degree. See, if it doesn't, what's the point? We don't run these classes for entertainment. Sunday morning, I've got nothing better to do. Let me listen to Nikit Bhai rambling on. It's meant to be for serious thinkers, this knowledge. It's tools to change your personality. But the problem is when you start changing, example, this knowledge can help you become more assertive, more self-confident, more in control of your life. People nearest to you can't understand. People, people don't like change. Is that, is that my mom? She muted. Yeah. People don't like change. When you change, people don't like it. 
They can't understand. They think there's something wrong with you. That is something you have to deal with. But remember, if you change for the better, there'll be a positive influence to the people around you. Even though initially they'll be agitated. Shilabin? People will be agitated, but they don't like you to change. See, everyone has a statue, a picture of Lord Krishna at home, copy of the Gita on the shelf. The purpose of the Gita is that it should be studied, principles applied to your life. And you should bow down with devotion to the picture or statue of Lord Krishna. Pray, Lord Krishna, please help me develop my intellect. Give me some buddhi so I can change my life for the better. Then that will guide you to becoming a better human being. You'll enjoy your life free of agitations. This is how this knowledge is supposed to be taken. And yes, there will be change. But the change will be positive. Remember that. Lord Krishna is not going to give you advice so you become more worse than you are. <laughs> yeah. Any questions? So, did you have a question? Yeah, so that's my question. You're talking about basnas, but then you're talking about desires, mm -hmm. right? So I thought, I suppose it's clarification because vasanas is not just all about desires, right? Vasana is our DNA, it's our personality, it's who we are as, as in essence, mm -hmm. okay? So I can't say that my vasana is the same as my desire. It's part of it, right? So what's the chronology of action? I understand thought, desire, action is the chronology, right? But is it because of the vasana that the thought crops up? Mm -hmm. But for example, if you're thinking about um, Vasana for self-realization, okay. Uh, I might have a goal. It's not my nature, right? Because Vasana is my nature, okay? My goal is not my nature. So what I'm saying is, is that my nature keeps me in the world, right? Because my thought process is, all about what's in the world. That's why I'm not becoming self-realized. It's not that I don't have a strong enough desire. It's because my vasana for the world, the knowledge is not embedded so strongly. So what I'm asking is, is that actually is, is it just all about desires or is it vasanas and desires? Okay, so slight confusion here. Vasanas is your DNA. You are based on your vasanas, this person. So the vasana manifests as a thought. Right now, the vasana, we just spoke about self-realization. You might think more about self-realization because you have a vasana for it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this class yeah, for this knowledge. Now, when the vasana manifests as a thought, yeah, 
or even as, then as a desire. You have the choice to act on it or not. Yeah, you have a choice to act on it or not. Okay, so that makes up your nature. Now, if you act on it, okay, I want self-realization. You put 100% effort. You don't, and like as I said, is this desire going to take me to my goal of self-realization? Yes, I'll fulfill it. No, I won't. If you're 100% focused on that, why wouldn't you be? But you're not. This is the problem. Different desires are popping up at different times. Worldly desires are popping up and you're fulfilling them. So, yes, you have vasanas for worldly things and spiritual. You have. But which one are you fulfilling more? Okay. So, okay. so my vasana as a personality, for example, is anger. Mm -hmm. I don't have a desire to be angry. I actually have a desire not to be angry. Mm -hmm. But my vasana is, is that I get angry. Okay, or I'm, I don't control my anger. Okay, that is my vasana. It's one thing that I would want to control the most, but it's the one thing that I do not control at all. Yeah. I cannot say I have a desire for anger. Exactly. So therefore, where does desire come into anger? I don't have a desire to be angry. Yeah, so there's two aspects here, two aspects here. One, your nature is such, okay, your DNA. Yeah, your nature is such. It's your DNA, the person you are. So they are different. Then you have a desire for certain things. You may have a desire. I don't want to be angry when you become angry. Yeah, your vasna for anger manifests. But you feel agitated. I don't want to be angry, but I can't help myself. Weinstein couldn't help himself. Okay. But uh, is your intellect strong enough to control it? That's the thing here. Everyone has a nature, a negative nature, positive nature. When that negative nature manifests, are you strong enough to control it? You might say, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I didn't want to say that. I couldn't help myself. See, but it's no point regretting it after the action. Your intellect should be there, available to you before the action. This anger is popped up. I might say things that I might uh, regret later. Let me take drink a glass of water. We'll go to another room for a couple of minutes and I'll come back. Now that's your intellect coming in and saying, I don't want to be angry. Otherwise, just blurt it out and then regret it later. You see? So are you able to control your vasana, your desire? As I said, you've been angry for 30 years of your life. It takes more effort. That is your nature. So they are two different things. You can say, if it helps you to understand it as two different things, so be it, yeah? It all, it all manifests from your vastness. You can take it from there. Yeah? The, any clarifications there? Yeah, Neelam. So for clarification then, are we saying that vastness, sorry, I mean, thoughts and desires are the same thing? Or interchangeable? Vastness manifests as a thought. Remember okay. I gave you an example. See, you may call your friend to join this class without knowing their nature. Ten minutes into the class, you can, what is this bequest? Yeah, I don't understand a word of it. I have no inclination to it. And you turn it off. Another person think, wow, this is something I've never heard before. This is so interesting. They have a vasana for it. Yeah. 
they have a vasana for it and they're in there and therefore they're enjoying the class they're involved in it so the vasana becomes a thought in an environment the thought manifests the vasana manifests as i said you have no desire to have a an ice cream but you when you pass the ice cream shop the vasana manifests the desire manifests i want an ice cream you never left home thinking i'm going to go and get an ice cream you're just going to the bus stop but you end up buying an ice cream because that vasana manifested at that time now you have a choice to act on it or not that is in your control based on your intellect your mind says i want an ice cream i want an ice cream intellect say you know what not right now that's the difference okay thank you does that make sense yeah so you are a bundle of vasanas that is who you are remember that what vasanas you have no one knows when will they manifest no one knows in the right environment the vasana will manifest they're all dormant at the moment right now you have a vasana a desire to attend this class you are attending this is how it works now acting on it or not that's up to you it's very important that you understand this good question so it's very important you understand this vasana becomes your nature but then there's a negative part of your nature and a positive you may not want to act on the negative that is in your control depends on how powerful your intellect is what your goal is anger does not help me get to self realization i need to destroy anger if anger helps you get to self realization increase your anger <laughs> you see what i mean what is your goal where do you want to get to is that okay everyone Yeah. So, so if if for example you're saying that we our vasanas are dormant mm -hmm. okay we don't know when they're going to crop up and mm -hmm. what is going to crop up whenever then if our goal is a higher goal because mm -hmm. you said if i have a higher goal yeah then nothing else should matter mm -hmm. okay because that goal is there so if vasana for something worldly comes up if my goal is something of a higher would you say that's that that vasana will just fizzle out itself because actually the thought might come but i'll just be thinking you know what i don't need to do that i know we covered it in previous classes what decreases your vasanas but i just want to confirm yeah. that right now that if if you're saying that we don't know when they're going to crop up whenever and what is dormant within us then it is the higher goal that will help me to yeah it all depends on how strong that higher goal is how strong my vasana for that is how strong that goal of reaching that higher goal is the vasana is there how much effort you're putting into reaching that goal stumbling blocks will come along you want to get fit you want to lose 10 kilos yeah you set a goal i want to lose 10 kilos in 6 months therefore every month i need to lose 
I don't know, 1.8 kilos or whatever it is. Okay, two kilos a month I have to lose. Now, how, go, how strong is that goal? Your friend rings you up. Come on, we're going out, restaurant. How strong is your goal? No, I'm dieting. I'm looking up for my weight. I need to lose 10 kilos in six months. You'll say to your friend, you know what? Come home. I'll make a salad. Yeah. How strong is your goal? You, you tell your friend, no, it's okay. I'm coming. Where's that goal gone? So how strong is your goal that you've set? Desires will pop up all the time. Now, your intellect has to set that goal. Your mind will say, no, come on. Once, if I go out, it won't matter. Yeah. Is it okay, everyone? Make sense? Set your goal. Be fixed. Nothing will come in my way. I'm determined. See, any moment in your life, you're a product of what you have done in the past. Right now, you're a product of everything you've done in the past. Right now, whatever you are is due to your past actions. But as far as the future is concerned, you are a producer. In other words, with reference to the present, you are a victim of your past actions. Whatever you've done in the past, you are that person now. But reference the future, you are a creator. You can change that by putting in effort now. You can use this knowledge to change your actions now to create your new future. Karma is in your hands. You can't blame everything to karma. My bad luck. No, you can change it. It's in your power. You can't change the way your body is today. It is a product of all your previous habits, everything you've done in the last few years. But if you put in effort now, you exercise every day, you change your eating habits, your body will change in the future. That is in your control. Can't blame God for it. <laughs> blame what you eat, your portion size. This is in your control. So you produce, create the future. Now, this takes a while. You can't change your vasanas, your nature overnight. No, this is the formula. Definition of future is a continuity of the past modified in the present. Definition of future is a continuity of the past modified in the present. And that is up to you. Does that make sense, Nilam? Okay, any questions? So your life is in your hands. Negative vasna pops up, you have the knowledge to change that. I will act on this, I won't act on this, depending on how powerful your intellect is. Okay. Verse 34. Indriyas yendriyas yarte ragat vesovya vashtito dayonavasamagache 
Tauyasyaparipanthino Indriyasyendriyasyarte Ragat Vesovya Vashtito Tayonavasamagatche Tauyasyaparipanthino Attachment and aversion for the objects of the senses abide in the senses. Let none come under the dominion of these two, for they are one's enemies. What is this? Do not become a victim of your likes and dislikes. Why not? Do not become a victim of your likes and dislikes. Do not lie in the sense objects. They are your enemies. Any idea? What does this mean? This is relevant to every person. We all conduct our ba life based on our likes and dislikes. Anyone who doesn't do that? Now, very important, likes and dislikes are not in the object, not in the sense object that we contact, but in us, it's in our mind. Likes and dislikes is in our mind. Who likes aubergine? Hands up, who likes aubergine? You say, I love it. Dharmesh didn't put his hands up. He doesn't like aubergines. If the likes and dislikes was in the aubergine, then everyone would love it or hate it. Dharmesh's mind does not like aubergines. Nilam's mind likes aubergines. So, yeah, Dharmesh. But both are bad, isn't it? If you like it or dislike it. Why is that? Because if you is like it, bad for you. Hmm? Is aubergine bad for you? No, but if you like it a lot, that's bad for you as well as if you don't like something. Possibly. But right now, what we're saying is that likes and dislikes is not in the object, it's in our mind. Yeah. Who likes classical music? Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, who likes that? I hate classical music. I, I love classical music in our mind. I remember I had two tickets to a classical music concert at Royal Albert Hall. No takers. I had to bribe one of my sons to come with me. <laughs> Nobody wanted to come with me. Likes and dislikes is not in the object, but in the person. One man is divorcing a woman. He can no longer stand her. He hates her. Can't wait to get rid of her. There's another man who can't wait to marry her. The same woman. Come on, get divorced quickly. I want to marry you. I can't live without you. Same woman. 
So the person or object being the same brings pleasure to one, displeasure to another. Tonight we made aubergine. Nilam is happy. Dharma says, well, I don't want to eat aubergine. Why do you make that? Pleasure to one, displeasure to another. One person's mind likes it, another person's mind doesn't like it. Does everyone understand that? Yeah. So likes and dislikes is not in the object, but in our minds. Created by us. Created by us. How are these likes and dislikes created? Anyone? How are these likes and dislikes created? Kevin, did you put your hand up? How are Dharmesh? I suppose our parents kind of put it into our heads as well because they reinforce them when they're young. Oh, he didn't like this, or he didn't like that. Yeah, very good. Parents, anything else? Yeah, Gable. Is it more sort of like the attachment we've created? So um, when you like something, you have that pleasurable experience. So you create that attachment with that. When you dislike something, you have that negative aversion. Yeah, you have, you have an aversion to it. Absolutely, both yeah, of you are right. Because yeah. I, I, was just thinking, like, no matter how much my parents might have drilled into me that aubergines are good and it tastes good, inherently, if you don't like it, you don't like it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's, you created that in your mind. Yeah, it's all satisfying your senses, right? It's it's how the objects satisfy your senses and how you perceive that. That's absolutely. And our whole life we function based on this, likes and dislikes. From the time we are born, our parents encourage our likes and dislikes. Don't feed him that baby food. He doesn't like that. Feed him only, what is it, SMA or whatever. I don't know what, it's been a long time since I had baby food. Don't give him that food, he doesn't like it. She doesn't like it, give him this food. Child grows up, but I've made your favorite food, pizza, chips. I know you don't like dal and rice. <laughs> your grandparents promotes your likes and dislikes when you're young. They don't have to deal with it afterwards. They'll just hand back the child to the parents. All your friends do what you like. Come. We'll take her to the favorite restaurant. They promote your likes and dislikes. As you get older, you get a partner. I can't say married anymore because you can't live, you can now live with each other without getting married these days. So I have to say partner. Your partner continues to cater to your likes and dislikes. We'll go to this restaurant you like. We'll go to this place you like. I know you don't like this. I bought this for you because I know you like it. So now you're a bundle of likes and dislikes. You do what you like, you leave what you don't like. Is everyone in agreement? Gail, you in agreement? Vigil, make sure that you she makes whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> so
So what is this verse saying? If you have really strong likes and dislikes, you'll go through life with mental agitations. Why is that? Why will it give you mental agitations? Yeah, Tanish. Your mind is leading you, not the intelligence, intellect. Yeah. Okay. What else? Why, if you have really strong likes and dislikes, you will go through mental agitations. Arunabin? Because the mind is prone to change as well a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you live by that, then you'll be changing all the time. So there's no consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well. If you have really strong likes and dislikes, it means that you, you, you're unable to control your mind. So your intellect is weak, weak then, right? So you're so, driven by the mind and not by the intellect. Yeah, you're, you're all right. You get mental agitations because when you like something, you're happy. When you dislike something, you're agitated. Simple. You're stressed. You like spring and summer, but not autumn and winter. You're miserable six months of the year. When summer going to happen? When spring coming again? These winters are terrible. That's mental agitations. The world cannot cater to only your likes. Acting on likes and dislikes brings misery in your life. Because your likes and dislikes are strong. When your mom makes aubergines, Dharmesh is unhappy because of his likes and dislikes. You with me? Where does likes and dislikes come from again? Mind. What is the mind? The 10 year old child in you that's never grown up. So you have a choice to act based on your 10 year old mind or the intellect, which is the adult in you, which thinks, reasons. So you need to assess a situation, let the intellect decide the course of action, not the mind. If you do not do this, scriptures warns, this verse says, likes and dislikes will eventually destroy you. Let none come under the dominion of these two, for they are one's enemies, it says. So you might say, why does living our life like this bad for us? Why is living life like this bad for us? In the 18th chapter, Krishna says, what you like to do in the long run is bad for you. It will destroy you. But what you dislike in the long run is good for you. It will save you. What you like to do in the long run is bad for you. It will destroy you. But what you dislike in the long run is good for you. It will save you. 
strong statement. Damesh, aubergines, if you don't eat them, it'll kill you. Yeah, Damesh. Is that because we're using our intellect to override our mind to do things we don't like? The mind does what it likes and it doesn't like. It has no reason or logic behind why it likes it and dislikes it. It doesn't think of the merit of it. Only the intellect can think of it. Your daughter, son, wants to eat sweets all day. That's what, the, what the, your child likes. Are you going to give it to them? Why? Because you're the adult. You know what's right and wrong for your, your child. The child doesn't know. Similarly, the mind in you doesn't know what is right or wrong for you. Only the intellect knows. So in our life, when we act on our likes and avoid what we dislike, we're creating two problems. When we act on our likes, it's destroying us. And also, we're not doing what we should do, meaning what we dislike, which is good for us. So there's two, two issues here. You're doing what you like, and you're not doing what you should do, which is what you dislike. Example, you like junk food, it's bad for you, but you dislike healthy food, which is good for you. You like junk food, so you're eating it. At the same time, you're not eating healthy food. So that will destroy you. You don't like exercise, so you don't do any. And you'll, on top of that, you like eating junk food. What will eventually happen? Long-term, it will destroy you. These are extreme examples. We have to think about it. Give your own examples. Is what I like helping me? So two things to take from this verse. Likes and dislikes. Let the intellect decide what's right for you. Well cannot cater to your likes and dislikes. There will be times when it cannot. And likes and dislikes are in your mind, not in the object. Any questions? So think about it. Give your own examples. I like this. Let me think about this. Why do I like this? Is it good for me or not? Yeah, that's what you need to be doing. If it's good for you, then it's fine. I like exercising half an hour every day. Is that good for me or not? Yeah, you know what? That's good for me. I'll carry on. I exercise only five minutes every day. Is that good for me or not? I could do better. You have to decide what's right and wrong and good for you. Evaluate your likes and dislikes. If not, it becomes your enemy. Nilam. Raga likes and Vesa dislikes do not lie in the sense objects, but within you. They are your enemies. You ought not to come under their domination. In spite of scriptural warnings, most people en masse have fallen a prey to the enchantment of sense objects and have virtually lost their lives. 
From early childhood, you begin to collect likes and dislikes indiscriminately. You entertain whatever you like and disregard what you dislike. This tendency and practice is encouraged and nourished by your relatives and friends. When you were a child, your parents catered to your demands. In adulthood, your spouse and friends continue to pamper your desires. As a result, you now have a host of likes and dislikes driving you to actions and object objects which please and pulling you away from those that displease. This way of living greatly harms your mental and spiritual well-being. The ignorant believe that likes and dislikes abide in the sense objects of the world. A simple example exposes the fallacy of this belief. A man smokes a cigar. He claims that it gives him pleasure. His neighbor hates it and drives the smoke away. He complains that the cigar causes him displeasure. The object being the same, it seems to provide pleasure to one and displeasure to another. Therefore, objects themselves have neither an inherent pleasure nor displeasure. Two different minds reacting with the same object find pleasure and pain because of their own inherent likes and dislikes. One mind likes it, the other dislikes it. Those who possess strong likes and dislikes experience continual fluctuations of pleasure and pain. Since the world cannot cater to their multifold likes and dislikes, their minds are always agitated. They suffer from tremendous stress throughout their lives. The body performs action, but the body by itself cannot act. Bodily actions are propelled either by likes and dislikes of the mind or by reason and judgment of the intellect. You must carefully examine every situation in life and allow your intellect rather than your mind to decide the course of action. If you let the likes and dislikes of the mind determine all your actions, they will ultimately destroy you. Hence, they are said to be your foes. Thank you, Ilham. Any clarifications? Okay. Any, any other topic anybody wants to discuss before? Uh, I'm just wondering about the next verse. Everyone looked a bit, looks a bit fatigued, that's why, today. <laughs> Probably because we didn't have a class last week. Any topic that anyone wants to discuss? Because the other next verse is also quite deep, actually. Shall I win? Okay, we'll take up the next verse. Sreyans Vadarmo Vigunaha Vadarmats Vanushtita Svadarme Nidanam Shreyaha Vadarmo Vayavaha Sreyans Vadarmo Vigunaha Paradarmatsvanushtita Svadarme Nidanam Shreyaha Paradarmo Bayavaha Better is Svadarma, though devoid of merit, than Paradarma, well discharged. <coughs> Better is death in Svadarma. Paradarma is fraught with fear. I'll read it again. Better is Swadharma, one's own duty, though devoid of merit, than Paradharma, duty of another, well discharged. 
Better is death in Sadharma, Paradharma is fraught with fear. Now, what is this Sadharma and Paradharma? Anyone heard of it before? I'm sure some of you have heard of it. We covered it in the previous classes in the Vedanta treaties. What is Sadharma and Paradharma? Can anyone explain that? Who can explain? Nilam? Is it to do with your own purpose or what you're here to do? So rather than try to imitate someone else's poorly, actually, or, or imitate it really well, you're better to do what's uh, within your own nature really well, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you're 50% right. Anybody else? Swadharma, Paradharma. So dharma means nature. Swadharma. Dharma means nature. Swadharma means one's own nature. So then paradharma means alien nature, opposite your nature, not your nature, different from your own personality. I'll explain more. But does everyone understand that? Dharma means nature, yeah? So dharma means your nature. Paradharma means alien nature, means opposed to your nature. Is everyone clear on that? Vijay clear on that? So what is this verse saying? It's better to function, as Nilam explained, better to function according to your own nature, your sadharma, even if it's devoid of merit, then choose a paradharma activity. It's a very important verse, this. Better to choose, function according to your own sadharma, your own nature, even devoid of merit, then choose a paradharma activity. So what does this mean? Give me an example. Your parents have a chain of pharmacies. They've been running it for 20 years. It's doing really, really well. They say, Beta, study pharmacy. You can take over this business. The business is minting money. Now, the problem is, you have no interest in medicine. You have no business in business. You have no interest in business, pharmaceuticals. You have no interest in it. Is everyone with me, yeah? What do you like? You like cutting hair. I have to use a completely extreme example I have to use to, to get it home to you, yeah? You like cutting hair. All the time you're cutting your brother's, sister's hair at home. You enjoy it. You're good at it. Your friends come over, please cut my hair. You decide to study hairdressing. What will your parents say? Will they understand? Who's going to run this business? 
We spent our whole lives setting this up for you and you want to cut hair. Anyone can cut hair. Why do you want to do this? So this verse is saying, cutting hair is your swadharma. That is your nature. Your vasnas, that is your vasna, your nature. You should choose this as your vocation, your talent. Even if you don't make as much money, even if you don't become successful. Yeah, it says here, uh, void of merit, meaning even if you don't make as much money, you don't become successful because you will not only be good at it, you will enjoy it. It will make you happy. It is your vastness. You're with me. Running a pharmacy or doing business is a paradigmic activity for you because it is against your nature. Shashi, understood. You may be successful running the pharmacy business. You may make lots of money, you become millionaire, but you'll be agitated. You'll be miserable. You'll be unhappy. This is what this verse is saying. Swamiji talks about this true story. Yeah. This uh, doctor, in India, it sets up a clinic, five-story building clinic. Very successful hospital. Only son says, son, you need to become a doctor. Son doesn't want to become a doctor. That's not his nature. He wants to be a mechanic, an auto engineer. So that forces him Son, forget about that. You have to become a doctor. So reluctantly, he goes to medicine, med medical school. A four-year course takes him eight years to finish because his, he finds it hard. He finds it difficult. It's against his nature. Eventually, he becomes a doctor. Father retires. The son takes over the hospital. He's doing an operation. Ambulance driver comes in. There's, uh, there's a problem with the engine. I don't know what's wrong. It doesn't run very well. What does he do? He drops everything and goes and fixes the auto the ambulance. Someone else takes over. You take over this operation. I'm going to fit, fix the ambulance. The engine is not running properly. That's his Vadharma. That's his interest. That's his nature. He hates being a doctor. He hates it. He's miserable, unhappy. Is that example drive it home? Swadharma so and Paradharma? Any clarifications? One is his nature, one is against his nature. It takes more effort to do something that's against your nature. Mm -hmm. sure. Is Swadharma is and Paradharma only in relative terms? So it's only in the world? It doesn't, does it fall anywhere into spirituality? Or is it just with 
in the world. So we're talking about it in the world at the mm -hmm. moment. So let's leave it as that rather than confusing the issue. Yes. Yeah. But it, it does go into spirituality as well, by the way. Yeah. There's another reason to choose an activity based on your sadharma, your nature, rather than against your nature. Anyone know what that is? Why is it important? Besides what I've, what we've discussed, why is it important to do based on your nature rather than alien to your nature? Spiritually, how does it help you? Nilam? Uh, will the action that you take help you um, exhaust some of your vastness rather than creating more? Absolutely. When you choose an activity based on your nature, you're reducing your vastness. When you choose activities based alien to your nature, you're not. Because those vastness are still there for cutting hair. Even if you're running pharmacy business, those vastness for cutting hair is still there. The desires are still there. So acting based on your sadharma, your nature, helps your spiritual development. Because you're reducing a vastness. Krishna says, better is sadharma without merit than paradharma well discharged, meaning with merit, meaning success. Better to die acting based on your nature because paradharma activity is full of fear. So when it comes to our children, better to encourage them to do what they have an interest in rather than what will make them materially successful. Of course, you can guide them in whichever field they want to go, but encourage their tendencies, their inclinations, their nature to do what comes naturally to them. A doctor cannot become an accountant. An accountant can't become a doctor. Different nature, completely different. So doing sadharma activities, you will feel contentment, sense of satisfaction. You'll be happy. You will develop spiritually. But dharma activities will bring misery, mental agitations, ultimately can cause great harm. Fought with fear. He goes, Lord Krishna goes to the extreme saying, in this verse, it is better to die acting on one's Svadharma than perform Paradharma activities. Any questions? Does it make it clear, Arunabhan? I think it's me. Oh, Arunabhan, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The valuable advice contained herein is often quoted but rarely followed. Everyone must choose a field of activity in life according to his swadharma, which means one's own nature. 
the nature of every single individual in the world in, is constituted of his own vasanas. These vasanas manifest as his inherent tendencies and inclinations, his distinct likes and dislikes, his particular choices and preferences. Your vasanas manifest in you from your very birth. From an early age, you show distinct inclinations towards engineering or medicine, history or philosophy, painting or music. When you grow into an adult, you must necessarily choose your vocation in life according to your swadharma. That becomes your duty and responsibility. The opposite of swadharma is paradharma, which literally means opposite nature that which opposes your natural tendencies, inclinations, likes, and preferences. You ought not to choose a paradharmika vocation. By choosing a field of activity according to your swadharma, you will prosper and find peace in your work. Your personality will blossom both materially and spiritually. The Lord says it is far better to choose a Swadharmika field of activity, even if you fail to achieve anything meritorious in that field. But if you compromise and choose a Paradharmika field, though you may do well in it, you will be working against your basic nature. Paradharmika activities thus retard your progress in life by creating mental agitation. You will neither blossom fully in the material field, nor will you evolve spiritually. Therefore, it is better for you to meet the worst in your Swadharmika activities, rather than gloat over achievements in your Paradharmika activities. Paradharmika activities can cause tremendous harm to you. Hence, they are said to be fraught with fear. Parents push their children into paradharmika activities because they find it convenient to do so. A typical example is a physician pushing his son into the medical profession just because he has built a clinic and a lucrative business. Parents often force their children into the family business irrespective of their natural tendencies and talents. Though these may be very convenient arrangements, the paradharmika choice will prove disastrous for the children. Your fundamental duty, therefore, to determine your basic nature. What are your tendencies and inclinations, your likes and dislikes, the constitution of your vasana? Having found this, choose a particular field of activities to suit your vasana. Thus, you will naturally choose a field according to your likes. But in the previous verse, Krishna clearly condemns actions based on likes and dislikes. This verse appears a clear, glaring contradiction to that. However, on careful scrutiny, you will find no such contradiction. In this verse, Krishna advises you to choose a field of activity, a vocation, according to your vasanas, which cannot help but conform to your likes. He advises you, then act in your chosen field, guided by your intellect and not by your mind. Reason must propel your actions, not your likes and dislikes. 
such discriminative action undertaken in your Swadharmika field will take you to ultimate perfection. Thank you, Arunabhan. So in the last paragraph, it says, choose with the intellect, think about your vasanas, think about your nature, and then choose the activity. Now, it's saying that whenever you do that, the chances are it will be based on your likes. Yeah? And in the last verse, it said, don't act on your likes and dislikes. So here it's saying, let your intellect guide you, not your mind. Think, reason, and then act. It may be that it's something that you like. That's fine. But it's your intellect that has decided, not the mind. And for this, you need a strong intellect. You see, that's why we say studying in the morning, it develops your intellect. And that's why this whole text is about developing intellect so you can take control of your life. The adult in you. That's why these exercises have to be done to do that. Any questions? Any clarifications? It's a lot to take in these two verses. They're quite uh, deep. Think about it, absorb it, apply it in your life. See, these tools give these, these this, uh, verses Lord Krishna is giving us, it gives us the tools to apply and change our personality. So here we just covered likes and dislikes. Now you know, you've got no, no reason not to uh, act on the, this knowledge, this verse. Don't act on your likes and dislikes. It says, you have the knowledge now, no excuses. You can't be, be ignorant. Before today's class, you were ignorant. Now you have the knowledge, now it's in your hands. Correct, Shilavan? So some people say I was happy until I came across these classes. Now I'm miserable. <laughs> They're happy in the ignorance. <laughs> Is that happiness? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. If no more questions, then we will resume next week. So Tuesday, if anybody wants to discuss, uh, please put a question on the group and we we'll, can have a group discussion. Yeah, but you'd have to put a question up because then we can all think about it. Even I have to think about it to be able to uh, conduct the class. And it's something that I want to encourage in everyone. Great, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll meet up next week.